to Montoro at this time. The rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of James. We've been going through the book of James verse by verse on Sunday night. We're going to try to uh, abbreviate uh, just a little bit tonight because of the extra time that we took with the testimonies, but uh, do want to continue on uh, with our study in the book of James. We're James chapter 3, and uh, let's just start reading in verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all, If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so... The tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and birds, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tame, and hath been tamed by mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain yield salt, water, and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. And we'll stop right there. Uh, James has divided the book up, and I'm sorry... Uh, there are no actual outlines for tonight. Uh, the, the time pressure just did not allow to get it finished. Uh, hopefully we'll have it ready for you next week with the next lesson. But James has divided up the book. We're dividing up the book for our, our study in commands. Uh, before James gives a direction, a command, he says, My brethren, my beloved brethren, he is telling them that, hey, this is something that you need to do. This is a command. And the first is found in verse 2 of the book of James, to count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. You know, that's something that's hard to do, is it not? When things get rough, what do we normally do? Dear Lord, why are you doing this to me? And wrong. The Bible says to count it joy, to realize that God is doing something. Uh, The second commandment is do not err. You know, every time I read that verse, I can't help but think years ago, they called upon uh, 
our, our president and his wife to, to say something or do something about the drug problem in America. And uh, dating myself, Mrs. Reagan came up and she said, just say no. And you know what? People laughed at her and scorned her. Some of you remember this. You can't just say no, but wait a minute. If you don't do drugs, don't you have to say no? And the author of James, and we're not saying that Mrs. Reagan actually got her idea from the Bible, but I will tell you this, if you do anything right, you end up quoting the Bible whether you believe it or not. And James says, do not err, don't do it. The easiest way to quit smoking, my friend, is before the first puff. The easiest way to stay unaddicted, and you just put the addiction in there, is don't do it the first time. They say crack cocaine the first time you do it. You're addicted. I don't know how that works, but I will tell you this. Alcohol and drugs, they've proven this, they can trace it, destroys the very part of the brain where you make decisions. The first part of your brain that goes numb when you drink alcohol is the part that makes up your decisions. That, that's a medical fact. And uh, the simple truth is, if you don't start, you won't have to finish. That's why James says, do not err, my beloved brethren. The third commandment is, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And I will tell you, 90% of life's conflicts would be solved if we would obey James' third command. If, if we would just listen and keep our mouth shut, and don't be so easily gotten angry. Solve almost all of our problems. The fifth command, I mean the fourth command, is no respect of persons. And, and it almost seems like James is chasing uh, this, uh, we call it chasing rabbits. When you get off the beaten path, you, you kind of detour off your idea and just go way far afield. And James goes into this whole explanation of faith. But you've got to understand something. Not having respect of persons is taking your faith and keeping it pure. Because your faith has got to be in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. When you start putting your attention on people, you're taking it off God. And James says, listen, if you have a living faith, that living faith is going to produce living works. And those living works are going to keep your attention on God and God alone. Anything else added to your faith will nullify it, will pollute it, will keep it from doing the work. And now James is going to start on a huge... Thing. He's going to talk about uh, the tongue. We've read most of that with the tongue. He's going to talk about uh, our uh, wisdom and understanding. He's going to talk about perverted prayers. He's going to talk about humility. 
And it's all going to be under this command found in verse 1 of chapter 3. Be not many masters. Now, I'll tell you, that's harder for some of us than it is for others. Um, there are people who are just natural born leaders. You ever met one? They just walk into a room and they're in charge. It's an amazing thing. Uh, There's another group of people much larger. They believe themselves to be natural born leaders. And they walk into a room and if there's anything going on, there's going to be conflict ensuing. Because... They're going to take charge. Whether they need to or not, it's just, hey, I'm a natural-born leader. You know, that's why I get, I get a little frustrated with those, um, oh, what was it, years ago somebody brought me a spiritual gift assessment test. And uh, said, listen, my, my gift is teaching. I said, well, why aren't you teaching? Well, there's no jobs for me in the church, so I'll just have to sit here and Do nothing because my gift is teaching. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, Thursday night, we're going through the Holy Spirit. We're going to deal with gifts of the Spirit. But if you're not doing it in your local church, it's not a gift of the Spirit. Because when the Spirit gives you an ability... And by the way, please understand this. This is just a super summary statement. If you're a pastor comes to you and asks you to do a job and you say, how in the world am I going to do that? Get ready. You may be preparing to receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. But if you come to your pastor and say, you know, I think I really ought to be, uh, I want you to understand something. That's not a gift of the Spirit. And uh, we'll, we'll explain that thoroughly. Don't get too mad at me yet. But the simple truth of the matter is, James is writing here and he says, Be not many masters. There are some things, I mean, in a church, if I read Hebrews chapter 13 correctly, and I believe I do, God holds the pastor responsible for everything that goes on in a church. I'm going to have to stand accountable for every word our Sunday school teachers teach. I'm going to have to stand accountable for what goes on in the children's church and what goes on in the nursery. And by the way, legally, guess who's responsible? I am. If something goes wrong with the books, the IRS is not going to call you. They're going to call me. And I don't take that lightly. It's, it's a huge responsibility. And, but I will tell you this. I thank God every time somebody sitting in the pews is able to come alongside and shoulder some of the burden. That is a blessing. That is a comfort. But here's 
what the Bible says, this is the, the fifth command because this is connected. Do you know, do you know how we take charge if we, if we take charge of something? What do we normally use? Well, I use my powerful presence. <clears throat> I just walk into the room and people look at me and say, what should I do next? Well, unless you're in that category, which I'm not, I don't know very few people that are, uh, you use your mouth, don't you? Oh, here, let me show you a better way of doing that. James says, don't do it. You, you know, things would work a lot better if you... Uh, wait a minute. This is a good rule at work. How many of you have ever gotten into trouble at work because you tried to help the boss out? James is way ahead of you. He said, don't do it. Now, please, don't be one of those people that go to work. Tell me what to do. Your boss doesn't need a robot. He doesn't want someone who will not do anything unless specifically asked with a gold engraved uh, card. But it says, be not many masters. Don't seek to be in charge. If someone comes and puts you in charge, that's one thing. If you put you in charge... That's only going to last so long. You know how long it'll last? Till you do something wrong. And uh, if you're anything like me, that's only a matter of time. Right? Well, what's the other half of the verse say? It says, now I want you to notice here, personal pronouns are incredibly important. My brethren, be not many masters. What's that? Na- knowing that, what's that word in there? Would you read it out loud with me? Knowing that we, does we include me? We always includes me. James says, listen, I understand something. I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have specific duties and I am writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit you know, you pick up one of those commentaries and, and, and it starts talking about, well, the writers of the Scripture really had no idea that they were writing Scripture. Throw it away. That is not true. Did they understand everything they prophesied of? No. The Bible tells us in the book of Peter that they, they didn't understand everything they wrote, but they did know something When they were writing Scripture, they understood that it was Scripture and that it was inviolable. It was important. Inviolatable is the word I wanted to use, and that's not a real word, but you know what I'm talking about. We'll make one up. James says, listen, I understand something. He said, I'm one of those guys that is a master of many things because I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what's going to happen on Judgment Day? I'm going to have a lot more to answer for. 
And if we will get a hold of this, that God is going to hold us accountable for everything we do in our lives. How many of you want to make the list longer? That's good. That's what he's saying right here in verse 1. Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. We're going to receive the greater judgment. Guess what? The more things you do, the more things you will do wrong. Isn't that encouraging? Aren't you glad you came to church to find that out? But I'll tell you what, we've been doing a lot of painting and different things this week. And the more painting you do, guess what? The more mistakes you make. Uh, I mean, that's the way it works for me. That's why you carry your rag and clean them up as you go. But you're, you're, you're not going to do anything perfect. That's why the... Who are missing the fingers? The meat cutters, right? And the woodworkers that work with the table saws and the radio arm saws. They get used to the equipment and they make mistakes. Do you know that preachers can get so used to their Bibles... They make mistakes. Do you know that you can get so used to caring about people that you don't care about people anymore? Tell you what, it's a scary thing. It says, for in all things, look at verse 2, for, I'm sorry, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Now, James is going to make his first transition. He's going to deal with the first issue here. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that ye shall receive the greater condemnation. The more things you're in charge of, the more you're responsible for, the more things you're going to stand in account to God for. And guess what? the more things you're going to do wrong. You're going to offend people. How many remember what Jesus said about offending people? He said it were better for a millstone to be hung around your neck and thrown into the sea than to offend one of these little ones. But I'll tell you something. Every one of us in this room has offended other people. If you've served God very long, I mean, we warn people when they come to the church, guess what? You're going to join a church full of people that are offensive. And by the way, if you think you're not, we'd recommend you find another place. Amen? Uh, Because every human being's got problems. And the ones who have the most are the ones who don't think they have any. You ever met anybody like that? Remember that... uh, Well, I hope you don't remember that old country song. To know me is to love me because I'm perfect in every way. I'll tell you this. He didn't sing. The recording I heard wasn't on tune. Now, he may have done that on purpose. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. Uh, 
the simple truth of the matter is we're making a transition here from being not many masters, knowing that we're going to receive greater judgment to offending people because that's what we do. And if you're one of those people that can keep your mouth shut and not hurt people with your tongue, here's what the Bible says. You're perfect. You have reached spiritual maturity. And I will tell you this. Nobody here has. Not because I know bad things about everybody in the room, but because I know we're all human. That tongue, and he's going to go on to talk about it. How many of you have ever ridden a horse? I mean, horse is a powerful animal. There's been more than one man got too used to handling the horses and approached from the wrong side and died for it. One good kick from a horse can put you into eternity before your body hits the ground. You have to know how to climb on them and how to approach them. And yet you can take a horse and you put that bridle on with that bit in the mouth and you can tell that horse to go forwards, backwards, to jump over fences, to do all kinds of incredible things. Uh, I remember one time years ago, little Peter, well, he was little at that time, all the only thing he wanted, I want to ride a horse, Dad, I want, and we were at a place where we could, and so we got all on horses, and, and of course, Peter being little got a really nice gentle horse, and me being big, I got this big surly beast that had been mistreated, and, and I'll tell you what, I had to pull on the bit every second I was on that horse. He was wanting to go off at a gallop. I'd pull him back. He wanted to turn left. I wanted to turn right. And, and I'll tell you what, I did not like that. He was testing my will. And uh, they say that you have to break a horse every time you ride it. That's why I like horsepower. You turn on the key, and it does what you say. Uh, but uh, the simple truth of the matter is we control that horse. And it will do what you say. Whether he wants to or not, he will do what you say when you start yanking on that bit. When's the last time your tongue listened like that? That's what James is saying. Now, James was talking about great ships. When he talked about a great ship in his day, he was talking about a ship that was 40, 50 feet long. We have ships today that are over 1,400 feet long. They're like floating cities. I like the Navy's definition of an aircraft carrier. It's... uh, Roughly over a quarter mile of American sovereign territory that takes our attitude anywhere in the world. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you ever have a chance to tour one of those ships during Fleet Week or something like that, guess what? They'll take you into the helm room and you'll have a little steering wheel. Turns a quarter mile ship. 
And it works. But this doesn't. You know why? Because it's connected to our heart, not to our brain. And James is working on us. He is commanding us here. He says, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And I want to stop right here. There's a story. Uh, some of you remember uh, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. He wrote stories about this. And he talked about a great matter that a few little tongues kindled. Uh, the year was 1899. The city was Denver, Colorado, which was nothing more than just a little rail stop at that time. And a couple newspaper reporters got together in a bar on Saturday night trying to figure out what they'd put in the Sunday paper because nothing was going on. So they ordered a round of drinks, according to Mr. Harvey's story, and began just talking and trying to make up different stories. And one of them got an idea. He said, I know what. We'll have an architect passing through. He's going to China. Well, what's he going to do in China? He's going to look at the Great Wall. And they begin going back and forth after three or four rounds of beers. And they came up with a story that a group of architects were passing through Denver to go to China because the government of China was going to have a new attitude and open its borders to the world. They were going to tear down the Great China Wall. What a whopper. Well, they duly printed it in the several Denver papers. And the next morning, someone traveling to San Francisco got the Denver paper and took it to San Francisco. It hit the news lines in San Francisco. It was picked up in New York. Then it was picked up in China. And guess what? How many of you are familiar with the Boxer Rebellion? where the Chinese ultranationalists started murdering every foreigner in the land. It took all of the combined efforts of the United States, France, Germany, and England, and all their armies to put down the Boxer Rebellion and save the lives of those foreigners that they could in the land of China. All because of four drunken reporters made up a story In the paper. How many great forest fires have been kindled by a single cigarette butt tossed out a window? Or a little campfire that got out of hand? Sticks and stones may hurt my bones, break my bones, but names will never hurt me. You know, that's one of the great lies of childhood, is it not? Because your bones heal. But you remember those wounds that were given to you verbally all your life. The grace of God can soothe over those wounds and bring healing, but scar is still there. James starts this passage by saying, warning us, be not many masters. You mean I just got to sit here and do nothing? Well, last time I checked, God has something for all of us to do. Amen? 
And I found, just as one of the teens gave a testimony, it's not about me, I think it was Stephen, said, I, I, I'm insignificant, but God's got a job for me. That, that's what James is saying here. You won't find God's jobs. You won't find God's blessings. You won't find God's best. Until we, until we stop trying to do all those things. And when we quit and surrender to Him, and we get control of this little thing, then God can use us. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You, and Lord, my prayer would be that no one here tonight would think that this sermon was at them, but Lord, it is with each one of us here, each one of us in this room, need to listen and to be admonished by the words that James has given us here in the verses that we read tonight. And Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to apply them in the way where they'll do good in our hearts and lives, where they'll teach us and make us servants that you can use. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that it's not about us, it's about you. In Jesus' name. Before we finish that prayer, let